It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Joining me, Mr. Kevin Baxter, back from his trip to Chicago. We'll get into that for sure. Recording on April 16th, 2018, Monday night. We're happy to be here after an LA Galaxy 1-0 win over the Chicago Fire in Chicago in uh, in the Windy City living up to its name for sure. We have a bunch to talk about this game. Also get you ready uh, a little bit looking towards this weekend with Atlanta United coming in and an LA Galaxy schedule that gets very difficult very, very fast. So... Without much further ado, let's talk to our uh, our intrepid reporter traveling all over the globe for Corner of the Galaxy. Actually, we just piggy- piggyback on the LA Times because they have the bankroll. Uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter, welcome back to uh, sunny Southern California there, Mr. Baxter. Oh, my God. I'm so glad to be. I'm so glad to be back here. It was so cold and windy. It was the wind, really, that was insane in Chicago. And anyone who has never been to Toyota Park, it is not near Chicago. It's a good half hour, probably longer with traffic outside and in uh, Bridgeview, Illinois, and it's in the middle of a prairie, and the wind just whips through there, and uh, wow, it was really cold. In fact, you know, you talk to some of the players. I talked to Sebastian Legit the day after the game, and he said it was the worst conditions he'd ever played in, and he played at West Ham United. <laughs> David yep. Bingham said it was it was it was horrible. Um, uh, Perry Kitchen said. Uh, he wasn't sure if it was the coldest weather he'd ever played in, but it's certainly the windiest. And Perry Kitchen talked about goal kicks that went that just dropped straight out of the air. And, and the North goal, um, Ziggy Schmidt actually did something really, really uh, wise before the game, decided which goal he wanted to go uh, toward. And the Galaxy won the coin flip, and they got to decide which goal they would drive to. And they went into the North end, so they had the wind at their back in the first half. And that's when they got the goal, and they had a you know number of great chances. Then, uh, so that was, and then Chicago could get nothing going, going against the wind. And then when things turned around in the second half, the game switched around. All of a sudden, Chicago was attacking, but Bingham made four really key saves, and and they were able to hold on in that win. But the conditions were atrocious. It was it, it threatening rain. I think it sprinkled a little bit. There were going to be snow flurries, and it got worse overnight. But you know, by the way, before we get too far. I know you really like this idea, the idea of Pato and the Panda. Yeah, and, yeah. And maybe we're, maybe we're going to have a morning zoo format here, Pato and the Panda. But my question to you is for our terrestrial radio show, that we're, that uh, our morning zoo format, yes. what kind of music are we going to play? We haven't talked about that. Oh, I think I think it should be 80s hits, hits of the 80s. I, I, oh. I think that's the that's really where we should go with this. Yeah, I, I'll do that. I watch all those infomercials on TV at night. We'll take. I was hoping you. I was just hoping you weren't going to say something like country music, you know, country no. or, or or western, country or western, either one. No, we could, one. we could do really trashy like uh, girl pop of the of the 2018s or of the 2000s or you know Britney Spears, um, you know st- stuff along the lines of Jessica Simpson. We could you know those are sort of in my wheelhouse. As we all know, I have the worst taste in music. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we could do hey, that. Hey, how well. about Haircut 100? <laughs> no, I told well, you no. <laughs> I well, listened and I was not a fan. I just tell you from the girl pop thing, when I was covering the Florida Panthers hockey team in Miami, um, they were on a terrible losing streak and they, uh, someone as a joke played genie in a bottle before a game and they won and they went on a long winning streak and they had to play genie in a bottle before every game. And the players were so 
just oh man, they couldn't stand that song anymore. I, lo- I, 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 I love the, the superstition. Game they finally lost. They may have lost. They may have tanked just to get the the song out of the locker room. I, I was gonna say I love the superstition that happens in 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 professional sports locker rooms and how that goes. But yeah, okay, let's go. Let's start from the beginning on this because we're we're lucky enough to have you who traveled with the team. Um, so you were on the same plane as that. I need to know. You know, what's that like? And I think people want to know what's that like, because, you know, we talk about travel in Major League Soccer being such a sort of one of the big issues that everybody wants to sort of pin on. One of the reasons that the league is being held back so far is because they have to fly on commercial airlines. And, you know, there's their travel. I think charters are limited to four and almost everybody saves those for the playoffs. And so you're not going to charter a plane to Chicago with Slaton and you can't charter every single day. So, I mean, what is this what is this like? Uh, traveling with the with the team. Well, and the rules are for chartered legs, not chartered flights. Oh, and so, so if yeah. you have a connection uh, on your flight, that's two legs. So yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And the Galaxy actually have it pretty good because they fly out of a major airport, uh, which you know has direct flights just about anywhere. You look at a team like Vancouver. Vancouver rarely, uh, maybe to well, it, they probably bust to Seattle. But if they're going to Seattle or Portland or maybe Salt Lake City. They can get a direct flight, but anywhere else, Chicago, L.A., Dallas, Houston, Vancouver always has to have a connection. And and so you run the risk of being delayed. D.C. United had a game earlier this year where they were trying to get down to Orlando. And because of weather in the Northeast, they spent the whole day at the airport, went home, came back and flew on the day of the game. So travel is a big issue, um, not so much for the Galaxy, but, you know, they've had a lot of flights delayed where they've been stuck on the runway. There was a couple of times that. Ashley Cole couldn't play in a game because they had spent so much time sitting in the plane part of the time on the runway that uh, his legs just locked up and he couldn't play. This one was a little bit different, and everybody was in a really good mood, I have to say. When we got to the airport, uh, first guy I saw was uh, Dominic Kinnear, came over and said hello. I saw uh, Ola Kamara uh, getting some food and then went to the gate area, and Ashley Cole was there, and we talked for a little while. Everybody was in a really good mood. So the team uh, is the, sort, of, sort of spread out throughout the plane. They get a number of first-class seats, which for the most part um, go to the designated players. And I think Ziggy Sch- uh, Schmidt gets a first-class seat. Um, and the Galaxy also have been known uh, on the particular flight there. I know Ralph Felcher sat next to Slatan, uh, uh, um, Roman Alessandrini as a designated player had a first-class seat, and so did Ashley Cole as the captain because Gio – uh, did not make this trip, and because Jonathan flew on his own, he had a personal appearance, so he didn't take the team flight, there were more uh, first-class seats available. Usually it's the 3DPs that get them. And the Galaxy, I'm also told, sometimes will give a first-class seat to someone as a reward for a great performance. I believe David Bingham may have flown home from Vancouver first-class um, as a reward for his performance. Uh, uh, as an aside, I need to say, Kaká is one guy from Orlando City, you know, former World Player of the Year, the the had the most lucrative contract in MLS history at $7.1 million. I was told by some people involved with Orlando that he'd love to give his first-class seat away to uh, teammates who may have had a good game or maybe deserved it for another reason. There was one time when the, the, the guy who arranged the team travel was horrified to look back and coach and see that Kaká was sitting in a middle seat <laughs> in coach and rush back to get him and say, where do you want to go? I'll get you in the aisle. I'll get you in first class wherever. And Kaká said, look, if somebody has to fight for you know, in a middle seat in the, uh, on this on this flight, it might as well be me. I don't have a problem. I'm part of the team. 
And uh, you do see a lot of that with with the Galaxy as well. You know, guys just sort of, hey, you know what? It, it's bad for everybody. Let's just make the best of it. Yeah. No, I mean, it, and it, it seems that way. But I mean, the the flight itself seemed like it was it was relatively uh, not issue free. Um, Zlatan was there though. I mean, Zlatan obviously flying in first class, but he still has to walk through the airport. I have to imagine that still draws some attention. No, I mean, he's six foot five and he looks like D'Artagnan from the Three Musketeers. So, yeah, it's hard for him to hide. Now, I will say in LAX, and I don't know why in LAX it was different from Chicago, but in LAX, he spent apparently spent the time just before boarding in one of the uh, uh, American Airlines club lounges. And he emerged right as they as the uh, first class boarding sequence ended. So he was rushed to the front of the line. He had a bodyguard and an American Airlines uh, attendant with him. Um, so he spent basically no time sitting in in the gate area or waiting in line. He went right on the plane. There was a, an American Airlines employee at the top of the jet bridge that asked for a selfie and and uh, Ibra uh, you know allowed him to do that. Then he went in the plane, had a window seat at the back of first class. What I noticed, and, and then, and when we got to O'Hare, um, the area at the luggage carousel, I have no idea how these fans knew what airline that the Galaxy was flying and what flight they were on, but they did. There were a couple dozen in the gate area, all with uh, wearing uh, Swedish national team uniforms or Manchester United uniforms with uh, Ibra's number on it. They were waiting for him with things to autograph. He went to the luggage area carousel, and it was just sort of too unruly. So he had traveled with a bodyguard. It was an ex-military, uh, British military person, a big beefy guy who uh, followed Ibra around. And it was just too unruly. And they took him and he went to the bus and he waited for his teammates to, to get off the bus. When they got to the hotel, you know, the one thing I, I guess I kind of was, I don't want to say surprised, but it was interesting. Ibra did everything he could to blend in. When, when you get to the hotel, um, your room uh, key and everything is on a table with your name on it. Ibra went over there, grabbed his room. Uh, key, you know, took his own suitcase, went up. It didn't really big league anybody. It acted like one of the guys. And even more so on the way back, you talk about being recognized in the airport. Um, when when the team bus got to O'Hare, uh, the players went out, checked their luggage in. Um, uh, the Galaxy was able to get TSA to open a, a uh, independent uh, TSA line just for the – at first I thought it was just for Ebra because he was the first one through. But then everyone, the rest of the team followed him. So he went through security just like everybody else, got to the end. He was His bag was searched. He was wanded. He was patted down. Uh, then he took a picture, a selfie with all the TSA guys. He seemed very good about selfies. He didn't want to stop. He didn't want to stop and sign an autograph. But selfies didn't seem to be a problem. The other thing that got me is he wore a white Galaxy warm-up top. And so if anyone looked over and said, God, it looks like Ibrahimovic, he's got the Galaxy top on. So he kind of gave it away. But he walked with his teammates into the food court didn't sort of rush off and, and try to be secretive, didn't hide behind a disguise like Landon Donovan often did. Landon Donovan, people don't know this, used to wear disguises because he thought he'd be recognized. But Ebra was just one of the guys, walked through the terminal, stood online at Starbucks. A security guard was was near him, but um, you know, they went to the gate area, sat down. The security guard would sort of rush people away if they were trying to take photos. I think they were very concerned about the possibility of, of – uh, of uh, paparazzi. So anyone right. that, that raised the cell phone camera or anything, the, the bodyguard would shoo them away. But there were a couple of girls that just wanted to stand there and just just look and say, there's Ibra. And he was totally fine with that. In fact, he told them, look, you can stand there and do that. Just be respectful. That was his, his key word. He kept saying respectful. So 
Um, you know, and, and then after the game, it, after the game, and, and Marian Marian Hosa, who is a uh, NHL All Star, plays for the Chicago Blackhawks. He came out. He actually waited outside the Galaxy locker room a half hour just to take a selfie with with Ibra and uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Took some friends in the locker room to meet him. It it, it really had the feel of traveling with a rock star. Right. I'll say that. Right. No, I mean it seems to. I mean this is the this is sort of that that interesting part of Zlatan Ibrahimovic becoming part of a major league soccer that is so interesting. I mean, we've talked about it, Kevin. There's a Zlatan effect on the attendance just in the in terms of you look at the sellouts that they're going to have um, coming up at Dallas, and I would expect that Houston might be a sellout. Uh, I would expect the Galaxy very well are going to sell out Atlanta and New York as well, so uh, at home. So you're seeing all these things and, and the popularity, and so it was. I thought it was going to be really interesting to see how he traveled to a major city like Chicago. Um, people certainly knew who he was and, you know, played in horrible weather conditions. It's just, it, it's it's an interesting little look behind the curtain. So I'm glad that you were there to, to take a look no, at he, it. A couple other things, too. You know, Richard Sanchez, the goalkeeper for Chicago who got beat on the, on the game's only goal by Ibra, afterwards he said... It was a great feeling talking about getting beat. I mean, when you hear a goalkeeper say, I loved be- getting beat by this guy, he yeah, said never. it was a great feeling. I loved going against players like that. Um, Bastian Schweinsteiger, as I said, Bastian Schweinsteiger, by the way, has a World Cup title and a Champions League title, neither of which Ibra has. But he was definitely deferring to, to Ibrahimovic the whole time. And he Basti took some friends into the Galaxy locker room, spent some time chatting up. Uh, Ibra. Then when they came out, there was a huge uh, horde of media people there. And uh, Zlatan looked over at them and said, um, are they here for me or for you? You tell me, talking to Schweinsteiger. Right. And then he said to Basti, he said, Basti, come with me to the media scrum and I will make you a big man in your own city, which <laughs> uh, was just, I mean, it was so, um, it was so funny, but it was also so tongue in cheek. Like I've come to your town, I've conquered your town. Uh, I'm in charge here. There was one fan that told us um, that he was he couldn't believe he was breathing the same air as Laton, which is <laughs> extremely strange. I think I love no, I love that. That's that's fun. This is I mean, it's exciting. I, I've told uh, another reporter that that Zlatan Ibrahimovic and all the quotes that we're getting here uh, as reporters, Kevin, is is our is our reward for having to cover the LA Galaxy last year. Um, because he just constantly comes out with wonderful quotes, uh, outrageous things to say, and I find that my stories are longer because I have to fit in all the quotes. Uh, well, I saw, I saw Alan Gordon after the game and said, you know, as he was walking by, I said, you know, Alan, there's another guy wearing your jersey, your number nine jersey for the Galaxy now. And he said, yeah, he kind of looks a little like me too. <laughs> I love it. No, there is. There's a little bit of resemblance there. All right. So, we, get, you know, obviously there was training on Friday that you went to as well. You you, you were sort of a part of the whole process there. So Ibrahimovic, uh, again, s- filling in nicely and just settling in nicely with the team. You talked about him blending in and being one of the guys, Kevin. And so far from everything that we've seen from him, that's all he wants to do is be part of the guys. I've been reading his uh, his autobiography too, and he talks about how you can't have clicks in the locker room. You and I were talking about clicks last year, Kevin, and the year before that as well, and how they were tearing the locker room apart. And uh, you look at some of the his own words that Zlatan says: you can't have clicks. You can't have guys who think that they're. It's not so much better than guys because I think Ibrahimovic thinks that he's a better player than everybody else that he plays with and always has, and he'll defend that point. But it's you need to have a locker room that isn't separated or divided by things that aren't you know, sports related. It's like, you can't have all the Argentinians or the, all the Colombians in one side. You can't have all the young guys on one side. You can't have all the Europeans on another side. They all need to be one part of the team. And I, th- I thought reading that and seeing how he goes about things is really an interesting, you know, sort of 
work and, and method into his head. It's 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 something that I'm I'm seeing more and more of that he wants to bring this team together and make them winners. Sort of how he's done almost to any team that he's gone to is really it's been about you know bringing the team together and being winners. So I, I've loved to see that. But we get to the game now. Oh, we talk about the wind blowing, Kevin. How hard was the wind blowing? I mean, you were it, there. Get- <laughs> Well, Perry Kitchen said the gusts were up to 40 miles an hour. I don't know where he got that. Um, it, it was consistent between 20 and 25 miles an hour. I think there were gusts up to 30. It was bad, and it was, it was you know, as I said, really cold. And it, the stadium is, in, again, in the middle of this prairie. It's pretty unprotected. So, um, it, you know, it was, it was as uncomfortable a situation as I've ever been in. In fact, I didn't even go out into the press box, which was – covered but exposed i stayed back in sort of the little press dining area where the game was on tv just because it was it was just too cold you literally could not type um that that's how cold it was um so i can't imagine playing and and every player that i talked to about it complained about it but you know what was interesting is Zlatan did have three great scoring chances there was uh, a long uh, cross from from jonathan dos santos that just uh, Zlatan just missed. It was uh, headed away by a defender just before it got to him. He came in one-on-one with Sanchez at one point, and uh, the goalie made the save. And then the third one, which he uh, he actually leapt over Schweinsteiger and was able to get the goal in. So he had three chances. One thing that I'm noticing, you talk about um, there's no clicks in the locker room, and, and uh, this is not a click issue, but he does seem to hook up better with the European players, I mean, three. He's has he has three goals. Two of them are game-winning goals. The three goals lead the team. The two game-winning goals, uh, second in MLS. This guy has play has had one start, and he already has more game-winning goals than every, as many game-winning goals as, as everybody else in the league except one player. Um, so that's pretty good. But you know, two of the three assists on those goals have come from Ashley Cole. Um, I don't know whether there's a European style of play that these two guys have, but he also seems to hook up very well. With uh, Allison Drini, they seem to have a little bit of a chemistry too, and I'm, I'm wondering if that's just because that's the way the Galaxy attacks, uh, or whether there is some sort of a. Remember, uh, Robbie Keane used to have um, a real good chemistry with Landon Donovan because they sort of had this unwritten uh, uh, communication where they knew what each other was going to do, and I'm wondering if if Eber's already sensing some of that with Ashley Cole. Well, I mean, it's it in my mind, it, it all boils down to the fact that these are just two highly skilled players. The same with Landon and Robbie Keane, that they just think on a different plane in a different way. You can add Roman Alessandrini to that as well. They think differently. They think faster. They think steps ahead. Uh, Opta came out with the stats. Ashley Cole has two assists, both to Zlatan Ibrahimovic here in uh, in 2018, in the three games since the Swedes' MLS debut. Uh, Ashley. Cole had as many, uh, he, that's the same number as many as he had in the first 60 appearances with the LA Galaxy. Um, so Ashley Cole, and, you know, we talked about it in the LAFC game, um, and we didn't get to talk about it as much in Sporting Kansas City because there wasn't an opportunity to do it as much, but still, it happened. It's Ashley Cole getting forward and Siggy Schmidt allowing Ashley Cole to get forward, and in, in case of the uh, LAFC game, putting Dave Romney back into the left-back position and actually moving Ashley Cole into a midfielder position there to allow him to hook up and link with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So, uh, really, it's been Ashley Cole's ability to get forward. It's also Rolf Felcher, by the way, who's also getting forward on the right-hand side, and both of those are buoyed by the fact that it, it's a it's Perry Kitchen who's able to hold down and hold down defense in front. And I think there are a lot of people who are critical of Perry Kitchen in this game. Um, I saw a lot of remarks afterwards, and I thought Perry Kitchen played okay. I didn't think there was anything major. Even Siggy Schmidt said, um, you know, basically that 
yeah, that they wanted, and this is what Schmidt said. He said we wanted Perry to stay central, uh, stay central more this week. He didn't get caught defending on the flanks as much. Jonathan also played from a deeper position at times, and the coordination between the two of them, I thought, was much better. So those guys only playing their third game together, Kevin. Uh, you know, really starting to to build up. I think a nice little partnership. But Perry Kitchen anchoring that back line is one of the reasons there's a zero up on the board. And Daniel Sarah's had a great game. Um, I certainly think he was he was one of the best better defenders on the night as well. Um, so you look at and David Bingham had a good game with the four critical saves. So all those things sort of combining to allow Ashley Cole to get forward and get into space and get be able to combine with somebody like Zlatan well, Ibrahimovic. David Bingham had a great game because you you just again the the the, the conditions there's no way that you could get any sense of that unless you were there. I mean on TV I'm sure it looked cold. I'm sure the announcers were saying it was cold, but you had to. I mean, this is really a circumstance where you had to be there. And David Bingham standing in goal, I mean, I, I think goalkeeper has got to be the hardest position to play under conditions like that because when you're a player, you're you're running. You have a teammate. If, if uh, you know, for whatever reason, you, you're, you're losing control of the ball or whatever, you can pass to a teammate if someone's near. As a goalkeeper, you're standing there for long periods of time with really not enough movement and or much movement to stay warm. And then you have to spring into action. You have to be, you know, you there's just no room for error and there's no teammate to pass off to. So uh, I think Bingham had a, a quietly brilliant game when you, you know, when he put up a clean sheet in those kind of conditions. Another thing I wanted to say about the, the clicks that uh, you rightly talk about with Ibra um, you know, he did have problems early in his career. He fought with a lot of teammates, famously fought um, tooth and nail with Pep Guardiola in Barcelona. Um, so he had his issues. He was not always a good teammate, but you have to give him a lot of credit for learning. And, and we have seen clicks destroy this Galaxy team the last two years. Um, the last year with Gerard and Keane, there was a lot of problems in that locker room at the end of the season when the Galaxy, uh, you know, went out of the playoffs early. Last year, uh, may have been just as bad with uh, Jermaine Jones and and Yella Van Dam not really embracing the captain's role, at least not doing the captain's job in my mind. Um, it, so both those locker rooms, there were fissures that separated the team. Uh, Zlatan has matured, I think, over time. You know, and he married a woman that's 11 years older than him. It's a very successful businesswoman, and I think that's kind of helped him mature. I think he sees things a lot differently than he did when he was younger. And I, and I don't think he's an Ashley Cole who's going to go off and become a coach and a mentor, but I do think he sees things differently and he understands how important the team is. He talks about uh, that he is the best player in the world. Um, and I'm sure a lot of that is part of this team building thing. It takes the pressure off everyone else. The media focuses on him. You know, the players are allowed to go around about and do the, and, you know, take care of their business without having to answer questions from us or to deflect blame or whatever. You know, he takes all that on himself because he loves the spotlight. And and I do think he's learned over his career how important that is for him and for his teammates. Yeah, it seems to be. And, and before we even get any further, we, we have to talk about the starting lineup. One, the fact that Zlatan Ibrahimovic started, and I'm going to get to that in a second. And two, the quality of this starting lineup now, Kevin. Uh, this is the strongest starting lineup. The LA Galaxy have floated at least in two years. And you have to go back to 2016. And I mean, there's some probably some some lineups in 2016 that maybe rivaled this a little bit. But at the same time, was Zlatan Ibrahimovic on it? Is it better? I mean, this is just it's just a progression of what happened after 2016, 2017 and getting into 2018 and what the LA Galaxy did in the offseason to be able to prepare this 
starting lineup with uh, Kamara and Ibrahimovic up top, Sebastian Legette at the left midfield side, which, you know, it was the first time that Sebastian Legette, Jonathan Dos Santos, um, and Roman Alessandrini, I think, had been on the field at the same time. Um, they got to right, play with exactly. each other. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy when you think about these guys, all integral pieces to the LA Galaxy. This is the first time they started on the field at the same time. Uh, and got to play. So, so you see that. Uh, Perry Kitchen, the addition to him. Ashley Cole, obviously, as captain. Shelvick, Steris, Felcher, and Bingham back there. These are This is a solid, scary lineup. This is one where Kevin, for the last year and a half, maybe, or, or certainly last year during 2017, you looked at the starting lineups and you said the LA Galaxy don't have the talent to match the team across the way. Right. In most cases, that was that was the truth. When you look at the talent that the LA Galaxy have with Kamara up there, with Ibrahimovic, Allison Drini, Legit, Jonathan Dos Santos, those guys and that those attacking options, you sit there and you look across at the Chicago Fire, who have Alan Gordon and Nikolic and Schweinsteiger and McCarty, and you sit there and go, Yeah, the LA Galaxy have more talent than Chicago. Um, and that's something that they didn't have. That's that's a progression and a step that you have to acknowledge after suffering through 2017 that the LA Galaxy have a little bit of swagger and mystique back because of just who they're lining up in the starting lineup. There are a bunch of coaches who would like to have that starting lineup for the LA Galaxy. Well, a couple of things. Now, so Ibra starts this game, which is much earlier than I thought he would start. Ziggy said after the game that he decided a week ago that, that Ibra would start this game, and he told him that. So it had nothing to do with the conditions. It wasn't like, gee, this looks like Manchester. Maybe you want to go out and play today. It, was, it wasn't anything like that. And he went 80 minutes, too. It wasn't like he you know, kind of struggled through the first half and then sat down. He went 80 minutes. He went into the warm locker room and came back out and played in that cold with that knee. I think that's a huge test for him to pass. So, um, And I, now I don't think he goes back to the bench. I don't no. see how you can start a guy and then, then put him back on the bench. Now, he might not make every trip. But I think now he is part of that starting lineup, and and you know I, I'll admit I'm drink I'm totally drinking the Kool Aid on this guy. I, I had a lot of issues when he first came over. You know the things that happened early in his career. I thought I was worried if he was a dressing room locker room problem. Apparently not. I was worried about his fitness and whether he would uh, you know be able to contribute. Would he would he be a, a ball hog? A, you know would he be soccer's version of Kobe Bryant and not uh, you know play well with others? Not at all. You know, he's been sort so far. Again, it's early, um, uh, but I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on this guy. I totally agree with what Chris Klein said. You don't bring Zlatan over here to sit him on the bench. Again, I thought he might be uh, more useful as sort of a Boateng guy, like he was against LAFC. I mean, to me, that was that was the model that I had in my mind for how Ibra would contribute to this team, that he would be a guy that would come in late in a tight game and make a difference. Um, obviously, uh, totally wrong with all that. I've been totally wrong with all that. However, just and everyone calls me a wet blanket. I'm going to be a wet blanket again. Um, the Galaxy, that's their first win on the road in 12 tries, dating back to last season. That's great. If they win either of these next two games, both home games, Atlanta United and New York Red Bulls, they will equal their total number of home wins for last year. But here's the wet blanket part. When you look at who the Galaxy have beaten, and they have three wins, they beat Portland, who has one win this season. They beat LAFC, who uh, was off to a pretty good start. And they beat Chicago, who has one win this season. Uh, against Vancouver, they had to draw. Um, New York, they lost. So the Galaxy, in my mind, uh, you know, are playing well. They're beating the teams they have to beat. That's the thing when you play a Portland or you play a Chicago. Um, both, you know, that the Chicago game on the road, you have to win, win that game or at least get a result. So the Galaxy have won the games they needed to win. Um, but now they face two really good teams in Atlanta United, New York Red Bulls, and then they go on the road to Houston and FC Dallas. 
these are important games to to me to really show is is this been a little bit of smoke and mirrors or are the galaxy legit um the way they've they've played so far you kind of get the impression that yeah they are pretty legit but then you look back at the sporting kansas city game that was not a good performance so um uh, the Galaxy have played well. I still think they have a little bit to prove. No, I mean you're not you're not wrong for pumping the brakes, and and you certainly you have to put this in the proper standing in, in the proper place, um, and you always have to do that. You have to look at the the people that they beat, as you said. You also have to look at how they've been playing, um, and whether or not you think that their level of play is increasing or decreasing. I think that even in the Sporting Kansas City game, that they took a step forward in that game, even though they lost. So I like the progression, you see it. And listen, I'll tell you right now what you can take away from the Chicago game. You can take away the three points, and that's it. Don't take anything else away from this. The fact that Ibrahimovic went 80 minutes is very interesting, and, and there's sort of an easy explanation, and, and I called everybody idiots who thought he was going to start on Thursday. I said on our Thursday night show, I said, if you think that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going to start this game, you're an idiot. And I expected him to play 45 minutes and said he played 80 minutes, so he made me look like an idiot. But at the same time, you're still an idiot for thinking that he was going to ever play and ever start 80 minutes because really it shouldn't have been in his progression and how it goes. Here's how he does it, though, and Zlatan plays a position that is one of the few positions that you can get away with this. Uh, maybe goalkeeper is another one where there's not a lot of running, but at striker, you can control when you run and how you run and how fast you run and how much effort you put into it. And for the most part, Zlatan as a player has always been sort of a guy who conserves his energy for scoring goals. So he's not going to be back there pressing and trying to take the ball defensively. His one job is to score goals. So for 80 minutes, he was able to conserve his energy, do stuff. I think in a more open game, a more wide open game, where maybe he was put on more calls forward, Kevin, he has to come off earlier because he's had to expend too much energy. But in this game, uh, the way it was played, especially in the second half, where he didn't have very much to do because uh, the win was basically holding the ball onto the uh, the north side of the field there. Um, and being that that happened, I mean, you look at all the corner kicks. If you look at all the corner kicks, all the corner kicks were in favor of the LA Galaxy in the first half, and then they swung to the other side uh, whenever Chicago had the second half. So really, the weather was the 12th man, and he was sort of like the 12th man who flip-flopped sides uh, at halftime and was really, whoever had the wind at their back was the stronger team in this, and that's sort of the easy answer for why the first half looks so much more different than the second half. And people can complain about the second half, and I certainly saw a bunch of complaining about it, but again... It's a simple fact of weather. Even the ball on the ground was being shaped by the weather, Kevin. Uh, the wind yeah. was blowing the ball on the ground around. Well, I would I would argue too. I would add that I think maybe they they did get out of there out of Chicago with a little more than three points. It was the by the way it was the largest crowd. You talk about the Ebra effect, the largest crowd in the history, twelve year history of Toyota Park on probably one of the worst match days in the history of the stadium. They get the largest crowd ever. That was all Ebra. So you can't really say they were playing in front of a hostile crowd. Even the, uh, we talked to some Chicago Fire season ticket holders who were wearing white Galaxy jerseys with the number nine on the back. So it wasn't a hostile crowd. But the, the fact that they got um, three points on the road in the difficult conditions um, where it would have been easy at any point just to say, no, this is stupid. We can't play this game. You know, let's just let me put my hands in, inside my, my jersey and just stand here because it's too cold to run around. You know, there were a lot, even Ibra said, you know, there were a lot of chances we had to make excuses. So it was a gutty, it was a gutty win. It was a gutty three points and they had the lead and they didn't let it up. It would have, again, you it, given the conditions, I think it would have been totally understandable if they came out of there with a draw and said that was a victory. Uh, but they didn't. They got the three points. And then you look back 
uh, LAFC, that was a game they were losing three to nothing with 30 minutes to go, and they wound up winning four to three. Only the second time in MLS history that a team has rallied from a 3-0 deficit to win four to three. Uh, and then you look at the Vancouver game when they literally had nobody, everybody was injured, and they went up to Vancouver and got a draw. So, you know, I, again, the Galaxy need to do, continue to do this against good teams like Atlanta United, the New York Red Bulls, um, and those will be tests. But um, I think Ziggy Schmidt's got to feel pretty good about the character of his team, uh, if nothing else, that they, that they were able to get out these difficult um, um, results you know, when seemingly they were really up against it. Yeah, Siggy Schmidt after the game said, it's just a matter of our character. It's a little bit like when we went into Vancouver, where we were short a lot of players, especially today. We knew it was going to be a difficult game from the standpoint of the wind and the conditions. We had a disappointing result last week, and I think it showed our character to come back and play one nothing at the end of the day. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's on the same page as you, Kevin. There you go. He's It's about a character. Well, I, I'm on the same page as him. I was going to say, you <laughs> probably wrote it from the... Don't get that backwards. Yeah, you probably wrote, he wrote it. He read it from the quotes, just like I did. Uh, you were there to talk to him, so so you you got the sense of that. But yeah, I mean, this is a great win. I mean, Galaxy fans should be jumping up and down at this win. It doesn't mean that you can't learn from certain things, and and certainly, uh, again, there's been some criticism. Maybe Perry Kitchen playing too deep. I think the entire Galaxy defense might have been playing too deep, but the wind also didn't let them clear the lines at any time and give them a break. So the Galaxy survive it. You you grab the three points. You run to the plane, and you, and you come home to to sunny Southern California, will you? Where you'll get to play uh, Atlanta United coming up this weekend. Um, you know, another guy, there's there's two other guys who I have to highlight in this game. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini getting the start, uh, his first start, uh, or excuse me, his second start in a row. Um, but uh, again, coming off an injury, playing on his preferred right-hand side, I think he was much more uh, involved in the game and, and on that right-hand side. And I think that, yeah, he's still a little rusty, but he's getting better. But my favorite thing, two favorite things from R- Ramon Alessandrini, actually one favorite thing and one thing that is sort of totally Ramon. Uh, one, his yellow card for descent in the 35th minute after a foul uh, that he totally committed. It was totally him, and he got really angry, and he yelled at the referee, and the referee gave him a yellow card. That was why he got the yellow card. It wasn't for the foul. It was for yelling at the referee. And then whenever Roman Alessandrini came out of the game, Kevin, uh, he, excuse me, he was a little bit, he was a little bit angry at coming out of the game. He did not want to come out, which is a great sign for me. Um, you're talking about a guy who who wants to win, who wants to win at all costs, who maybe wasn't. Ex- Totally happy with how he played. Uh, he played 66 minutes. Uh, Chris Pontius ended up coming in and replacing him. Uh, but Alison Drini comes off, and I, I think he almost flipped the bench. He kicked, he kicked water coolers. He was just he was really angry that he was coming out of that game. And if you're looking for a guy that that can have a huge impact on this team, especially now that Ibrahimovic is there for a target for him, uh, Roman Alessandrini is that guy. I, I think that, the seriously, this could be one of his best years now because of Ibrahimovic, and he certainly was the Galaxy's best player last year, Kevin. I think that, uh, that Zlatan makes him a better player just by being on the field uh, in terms of, you know, there's more people to focus on now than just Roman Alessandrini. And Alessandrini, you know, I think almost got that pass in to, uh, to Ola Kamara for the for the goal that was waved offside that may not be offside, but could be offside. But even if you look at VAR, it probably wasn't offside. It probably was offside. So it's one of those borderline ones. And, and Kamara is the other guy who I wanted to highlight because people are, are down on him right now. And I, I'm thinking that he's like inches away from being a two-goal scorer in this game or at least being involved in one goal or at least scoring one goal and being heavily involved in the second. So for me, I think he's just starting to find his place. And I think there's going to be a delicate balance here because Kamara got brought in, Kevin, to be the guy up top. At least I'm sure that's what it was in his mind. Uh, the Galaxy have got Ibrahimovic, and now they get to coexist up there. 
and how they coexist is going to be very interesting. But I think Kamara is going to benefit from Zlatan too, and I think that you're just about ready to see Kamara score some goals. It's it's really close. It's coming. He has one on the year already. Um, he's he's just primed to be ready, and I think he's hungry for it. Well, yeah, he right. He, he almost did have two goals. Well, actually, he would have had one goal. The second one, I think, probably would have been an own goal yeah, or, or probably credited to Legette. But wet blanket alert um, on, on Roman, a couple things. One is, remember, he was the team's leading scorer and led the team in assists last year. So far this year, he has one goal. Um, he only has four shots on goal. He doesn't have an assist. Um, uh, offensively, I kind of get the feeling right now that, that Ibra is kind of sucking all the air out of the room. Yeah. Uh, Ola did kind of force his way in there a little bit and was dangerous early. And then, and then really we didn't hear much from him after that. Um, so the offense is going through Ibra. That's the, that's the target guy. And so I could see Allison Drini and Legette and some of those guys sucking up a lot of assist. I, but I, it seems like right now the goal scoring is going to come from Ibra and maybe maybe Ola. I just you know you're right about uh, Alessandrini. He may be really dangerous, but I, I see him dangerous more setting up goals than than necessarily scoring them. So um, he may have a good season, but it may it may be much more subtle. You may have to look a little deeper than just goal scored. But I, you know the the thing with him kicking the the bench over and all that stuff. He had an interesting quote after the Kansas City game and training that next week where he he remember he played centrally in midfield and he talked about how coming back from an injury and trying to find form that he was very uncomfortable playing a position that he was not accustomed to playing and then he immediately went on to talk about but that's not an excuse I got to you know I got to adjust and all that but it was interesting that he he admitted that look playing me there was not a good idea when I'm coming back from injury and trying to find my rhythm I shouldn't be there and then you see him coming out of the game, and clearly um, it had not been expressed to him ahead of time that this is our plan, that when you, we get around a certain minute uh, in the game, that you should be prepared to look to the sidelines that we might be bringing you off. And I, I bring that up because I wonder how much communication Ziggy Schmidt is having with him. Um, he should have known that he was going to play in this other position and should have had the chance to push back against it if he felt that that was a bad decision and not come to the media with it and talk about how he shouldn't have been there that to me seemed like there might be a lack of communication between him and the coaching staff and then uh, you know him being so upset to come off when he did again like the, the coaching staff was surprising him and, and hadn't hadn't talked to him and consulted with him and that doesn't mean they have to i mean the coaching staff makes the decision but you talk about reading uh ibrahimovic's book i'm reading bruce arena's book uh, now and he he talks a lot about when he went in some of these World Cup qualifiers that uh, I think it was the one in in Honduras where or Mexico City where he actually sat down with all of the players and told each of them what their role would be. He said you're not going to start, but I'm thinking that you might get in the game at this point. Everybody knew what their role was, and some guys like Bobby Wood in this case pushed back and was very angry. But Bruce is like, this is the way it is. I'm the coach, and here's how it's going to do it, and you need to accept it and move on. And so I, I'm wondering if, if Ziggy has those kind of conversations with the players, whether he feels that's important or whether it's a more old school, I'm going to do what I want and you guys are going to have to make it work. It, I just I wonder if 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 Roman is totally uh, on the same page with what Ziggy is thinking. Well, I, I mean, I think it's collaborative. You certainly hear it being collaborative with with Zlatan and Ziggy, right? I mean, we, we've heard that those two talk back and forth and, you know, sort of figure out the plan for that. And and we know it's collaborative, I think, with somebody like Ashley Cole. And I think it's probably collaborative with Alison Drini. But the other thing is that if if they think a guy is tired, if they think that they can do better, if they need some help on a certain area, and I thought that the bringing in Chris Pontius was a fine sub at the time. Um, you know, it was a little more defensive. It was also fresh legs. 
on that side. I know people say defensive and Chris Pontius and they laugh, but at the same time, Roman Alessandrini is a much more offensive player than probably Chris Pontius is a little more two-way. A little more. We'll go with that. Um, but bringing on fresh legs in that situation at that point is fine with me. I had no issues with that. Um, and quite honestly, I don't know that they need to, like, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I agree with you up to a certain point. They should be collaborative. But at the same time, if they say, hey, it looks like Ramon is getting a little tired. He's been injured. Let's not push him too much in this cold weather. Let's pull him and get some fresh legs in there for Chris Pontius. Let's pull, you know, these other guys and, and get some other things. That's That's what the coach is supposed to do, and it doesn't always go according to plan. So I'm fine with that. No, I, and, and I think more to it, it was like, we are not going to have any offense in the second half. We are not going to push forward. This wind is, we're not going anywhere. And I think once they realized that, it was like, let's get guys in that can bunker down and uh, park the bus and let's not even think about offense. And and Allison Greeny can play defensively. He can track back, but that's not his forte. That's not what, that's not why he's a designated player. So yeah, I do. I, I agree with the decision. I'm just the, the right. fact that Allison Drini seems so surprised by it. Uh, you know, you wonder about that. Now, one guy we, whose name we haven't even mentioned yes. and he missed another game. Yes. Um, Giovanni Dos Santos. Does, 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 is he, is he toast? Is he done? Does he no longer have a role, at least a starting role on this team? You know, it's a question that is uh, certainly being asked by, by people who listen to the show, by fans everywhere. Um, you know, it's uh, the Shane actually wrote into the show and he says, uh, as of right now, does Gio's inevitable t- return to the lineup present more problems than potentially resolves? And I said, uh, I think on the Thursday show that so far that Siggy Schmidt has been unburdened by that decision because, uh, you know, Giovanni Dos Santos has not been fit enough to play. All right. Let's let's go with that for right now. He hasn't been fit enough to play. So, you know, for Siggy Schmidt, the, the decisions have been easy. The decisions get a lot more difficult this week, Kevin, if somebody like uh, if, if Giovanni Dos Santos is suddenly ready to get back in this game. So for me, I think that so far the Galaxy have been very lucky by not having to work Giovanni Dos Santos. And I think they even probably survive against Atlanta United because uh, of without having to make a major decision because Giovanni Dos Santos can probably come off the bench in that game if he's training this full week with the Galaxy and he's back healthy. Um, so, you know, maybe you get him in for the last 30 minutes of the game or 20 minutes of the game or something like that against Atlanta United, which may be very beneficial to the Galaxy, but it creates a huge problem because right now I read off the starting lineup, Kevin, and in my mind, the starting lineup that I read off is the starting lineup the Galaxy should play. It is their, their best 11 on the field, and that does not include Giovanni Dos Santos, and I can't find a place. If you're going to bring him in, you bring him in for somebody like Sebastian Legette at this point. And if Legette goes, then Legette goes to the bench. And do you want to move Sebastian Legette to the bench? Or do you want to put your trust in $5.5 million in Giovanni Dos Santos? Because that's the only position I can see Giovanni playing is on, either on the right wing or the left wing and Alessandrini going to the opposite side. Well, and, and in that midfield, you're, you're not going to sit Alessandrini. You're not going to sit Jonathan right now. Right. You're not going to sit uh, um, uh, Legette. And you already got Emma Boateng. Uh, on the bench, you're not going to sit Perry Kitchen. He's just he's proven too valuable. You're going to go with stay with the the four man back line. Um, there's just nobody that that deserves to be taken out of that lineup. Now, if you're you know you you keep bringing up the money part of it, if if you wanted to really get into that, you could say you could you could comfort yourself by saying, look, let's pretend like we're playing like we're paying Ibrahimovic uh, uh, Ibrahimovic uh, the $5 million and we're paying Gio one and a half. Okay, so we're going to sit one and a half and play $5 million. I mean, yeah, I, I know that's a, just sort of a psychological way of looking at it, but, uh, you know, you if he is not your best guy, it doesn't behoove you. It's not financially 
uh, um, prudent to put him on the field just because he's making uh, a lot of money and have him cost your team a game. And, and and think about it in other ways, too. If you love that Ashley Cole coming up as a winger and maybe Dave Romney then winding up playing behind him and Ashley's more of a midfielder, that's even less space because now Ashley's in the midfield uh, equation. That's even less space for Gio. And then if you don't start Gio and you're trailing, if you're behind, perhaps Gio then comes in as a way to sort of goose, goose the offense a little bit. But if you have a game like Chicago where now you're trying to protect the lead, you know, you're going to people like Carrasco and Baggio and, and you're going to people like uh, Pontius to come in and ice the game. You're not going to bring you're not going to bring Gio in to play defense. That's for sure. So does he have a role left? Um, and, you know, another thing is, is I, I definitely think the whole idea of wondering about Gio during the, the World Cup break, I think that's kind of a moot point now. He's got basically a month to prove that he's fit to play, uh, you know, for it deserves a call up to the Mexican team to play in the World Cup. He's got about a month to prove that. And it looks like he's going to have to prove it in training because I don't see him playing a lot of 90-minute games between now and then. Yeah, I mean, there there has to be something to all this, and uh, I again, it's it, it's a difficult situation that is going to start, you know, popping its head up, and you know whether or not you can even, you know, people are talking about moving Giovanni dos Santos, and if you move him, do you have to move Jonathan? So again, I was talking to somebody who was uh, very very close to the team, uh, and I was talking about a certain player, and I said, well, yeah, but you, you, I said, yeah, but you paid a lot of money for this player. And they said they and this was not about Giovanni dos Santos. I want to make that clear. Um, I said, yeah, but you paid a lot of money for this player. And and this person said, you can't let money dictate what's best for the team. All right. And I thought that was absolutely correct and 100 percent truthful and stuff that you probably don't see enough in Major League Soccer. So if that's the case, if you can't let money sort of dictate what's best for the team and maybe best for the team, Kevin, is to get Giovanni dos Santos on the field with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I mean, if Gio can do something, you know what, if Gio can even do, you know, half of what I think is expected of him, then he's a boon and he should be out there. Um, and then you have a problem with, you know, is Leggett coming in off the bench and, you know, all these other things. So you have other issues. That you have, but if if Gio's not going to be that, then Gio deserves to be on the bench. This was, you know, Robbie Keane and and uh, and Steven Gerrard all over again, which was the, at the time in 2016, it was better for the LA Galaxy to have them on the bench than it was for them to have them starting and on the field. And the Galaxy were a better team without those guys um, at some point during 2016. I remember saying it a bunch of times. So that's what you have to look at now with Giovanni Dos Santos is, is this LA Galaxy team better off with him on the bench? And if the answer is yes, then you suck it up and you put the $5.5 million on the bench. But you have to understand that that comes at a price, which is that if you're trying to get rid of him, uh, which I think it's very difficult for me to see him staying past this year anymore, and he still has time on his contract. So the Galaxy are going to have to find a buyer for him. And perhaps, uh, you know, maybe he goes on a free transfer, but he goes and, and gets a similar salary somewhere in Mexico, and he's happy with that. Um, I just don't see it lasting. And so the LA Galaxy have a decision to make. And, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going to be on the field as much as he possibly can. And if you look at the World Cup and even going, now uh, we can certainly talk about Zlatan going to the World Cup. Jonathan Dos Santos seems like he's a lock to go to the World Cup. Um, you know, is Gio one of those guys? Is he is he not going to be on the Mexico national team? And therefore, is he needed whenever the, whenever the Galaxy have a World Cup uh, sort of lull here? Um, whenever, whenever all these players disappear for the World Cup. So... I mean, there's a lot of questions that come up just by mentioning Giovanni Dos Santos anymore with the Galaxy. Well, I, I see no more than five games and maybe no more than four, depending on when Juan Carlos Osorio wants to call his team up, 
um, for Gio to be able to prove himself. I, I don't think he starts against Atlanta United. I don't know about the Red Bulls. So now that's down to perhaps three games right. where he get, get, he gets to prove his fitness. And, and yeah, I mean, you're right at the money thing. Last year, I know we talked a lot about Jassy's artist. How can you have that much money? He wasn't even a DP. How can you have that much money? It was a lot of TAM money. How can you have that much money on the bench? Totally different team last year. Remember, it's a young team, an experienced team. They were playing out the string. They weren't going anywhere. Um, it, it was sort of one of those situations where you're a team leader, suck it up, you know, get out there. I don't care if you're going to play right back, you know, you got to be on the field because you're one of the big money guys. Totally different this season. This is a contending team with a guy like Zlatan, you know, at its head. And right now, uh, the idea of saying, let's put the $5.5 million out there and lose the game. That's not the way to do it. But he is much more valuable. You know, if you win the game with him on the bench, that's profitable. If you lose the game with him in there, then you've wasted the contract. So I definitely think that unless uh, the season goes south really quickly or something else happens, you know, I, if he doesn't force his way into that lineup, then, yeah, I, I think you sit him and the money. I think he dresses. I think you can't, you know, it, it, it would be almost inexcusable for him not to be among the 18 unless there was some strategic reason. So I think he dresses. I think he's available. And I think, you know, all things being equal, Ziggy would probably like to run him out there. But I don't see him as one of the best 11 players on this team right now. Yep, and that's the big problem. Uh, We talked a little bit about Zlatan to the World Cup, Kevin. This seems like it's going to happen now. Uh, Zlatan tweeting out that uh, his chances, I think, were in translation. We're saying it's sky high. Um, and then he also had a bunch of follow-ups in, in, in terms of how uh, how that might happen. So, I mean, Zlatan looks like he's going to go to Sweden uh, for the World Cup, which means the other Galaxy will be without him. And if you look at that sort of, as you, you said, Kevin, talking about you know Juan Carlos Osorio calling up the Mexican national team, uh, you would expect the Swedish national team as well to start making those call-ups as well, which means that the last game that Zlatan Ibrahimovic could be available for may be the, uh, the Montreal game, if we, were, if we did that right. Yeah. I think that if he gets called up, maybe he goes and plays the Montreal game and then goes from there to Sweden. I originally thought he wouldn't make that trip. That was one that I had kind of penciled in. It's you know three uh, road games in a row, two in Dallas or two in in Texas rather. So and and they're spaced enough uh, apart, uh, wide enough that it's two flights for every trip. They'll go to Houston and come back. They'll go to Dallas and come back. So there's four flights right there. Traveling commercial, we know how that can be difficult for a 36-year-old with a bad knee. So maybe he didn't make the Montreal trip. Now, I think he was in the World Cup picture. He does make that trip. And then right after that game, then flies to Sweden uh, for the World Cup team. But a couple things about that. And my thinking is, and the game in in Chicago may have figured into this. If Zlatan thinks that he's, going to be in the World Cup picture. I would like to force his way into the World Cup picture. And, and his his take is, I will tell them if I'm ready, they will not tell me. So if, if in fact, he is trying to prove that he is ready and wants to make an argument that he should be on that team, I think he needed to get some starting uh, games into him. I think he needs a couple of 90-minute games coming up. So perhaps um, you said, you know, you didn't think he would start this early. Perhaps that's part of it. Perhaps he, that conversation he and Ziggy had a week ago wasn't so much Ziggy saying, "Are you ready?" It was more like Zlatan saying, "Look, I gotta go. You know, we I'm running out of time here. You gotta start me. Let me see if I can do this." Because I one thing I don't see with Zlatan's ego and pride, I do not see him going to the World Cup and sitting on the bench. I don't yeah. see him being Clint Dempsey or Abby Wambach, you know, the elder statesman who realizes they're a 30 minute player and they're gonna come off the bench. I, I just don't see Zlatan doing that in the World Cup. I think it, he will not go to the World Cup unless he is a 90-minute guy 
for every game that Sweden plays. And so I think that's a big part of it. And I would not be surprised to find out that the conversation with Ziggy was more like, I need to play as opposed to, can you play? Yeah, it, it, you, you very well could be right. And again, the upcoming schedule for the Galaxy has uh, the Galaxy at home to Atlanta United, at home to New York Red Bulls on April 28th. Uh, Saturday, May 5th is away to the Houston Dynamo, away to FC Dallas on May 12th. Uh, and then away to uh, to Montreal on May 21st. And so that's what you're looking at for the Galaxy in terms of that. And then they're back home on May 25th to the San Jose Earthquakes. So the Galaxy have two home games coming up, ones that you're going to want to be at, 21st and the 28th. And then they are gone for three weeks and won't be back until uh, May 25th. So most of, most of May will be away from StubHub Center. So something to, uh, to keep an eye on there well, as that happens. Of- Speaking of San Jose and and Giovanni dos Santos and and non-starters, do you see Chris Wondolowski on the bench now for San Jose? That was yep. a stunner for me. Yeah, I mean it's it's again you know it's a it's a product of age. Uh, Gio doesn't have that excuse, but Chris Wondolowski does now. Um, certainly where he's at. So hey, maybe that sticks around. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe by the time May twenty fifth comes around, uh, he's back to starting. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how how some of these aging MLS players still fit in, and uh, you know when they decide to hang it up. Uh, let's go to one more call. I want to get to a call, and it's something I think that we talked about um, a little bit, but uh, you know maybe we can focus in a little bit more on it. So here's Justin from uh, South Pasadena. Hey Josh, um, just about last the last game. It was uh, I thought the Galaxy were dominating, and then it just seemed like it was the weather that was really dominating everything. Oh, I'm sorry, this is Justin from South Pasadena. Um, you know, just the thoughts about you know Ibra by my count had what three chances and converted one, which is pretty, you know for a striker that's acceptable. Um, my biggest concern um, was with Kamara. Um, you know, I would say that he doesn't seem to be on the same page as his teammates, but it's almost like he's not even on the, in the same book as them. Um, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts about that. And then uh, about Bigham on a positive note, I thought he really played well. Uh, you know, there would have been a game that would have been really easy to allow a goal in, and he kept a clean sheet on the road. So, you know, three points against Western Conference on the road is a good thing. So, um I'd like to hear guys' thoughts about Kamara, though. Thanks. All right, there goes Justin from South Pass. You know, again, I think we talked about Ola Kamara a little bit, and uh, you know, I tend to believe that he's inches away from being uh, being a goal scorer and a threat. And I think that having multiple goal scorers here, I'll tell you how I've always felt this way. Uh, the reason that the LA Galaxy were so successful in 2011, 2012, and 2014. Um, was because they always had multiple options and multiple offensive options that you couldn't guard just one. Any team can mark out one, and maybe Zlatan Ibrahimovic is going to be the exception to that rule because he tends to tower over people, Kevin, and 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 control his own gravity around things that happen. But um, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic eventually will find somebody who's able to mark him pretty well, and that should open up spaces for guys like Ramon Alessandrini and Ola Kamara. And so for me, I think this is a good partnership. I think it will work. I think they need time together. Um, you know, you look at this whole starting lineup, and there is no time together for the most part for this team. Uh, the Galaxy defense standing strong is probably the biggest takeaway that you can get out of that, which these four guys now have been starting a bunch of games together. They're all together, and they seem like they're ready to now sort of take the next step and be that consistent 
consistent backline force. We'll see how they do against Atlanta United, who will absolutely score a goal. I have no doubt in my mind about that. You're not keeping them off the board, but we'll see how they handle that and and, and handle that difficulty. Um, so for me, uh, Ola Kamara is is just a little bit away from being, I think, a consistent goal scorer for the LA Galaxy. And once he gets going, I think that'll get both uh, Ibrahimovic and Kamara together. Well, first of all, Justin, Justin said his name twice, and he said South Pasadena twice. He says hometown twice. Never threw any love to the Panda. Never mentioned the Panda. So, Justin, next time you call in, you got to mention the Panda. Um, I'm kind of glad, you know, that that Ibra went one of three on scoring opportunities because if he if he just put away every opportunity he had, that, that would be insane. I mean, it, it, it's nice to know that he's human, especially that one-on-one when he came in alone with the keeper and was not able to convert that that to me was a bad sign for the galaxy, but it was a kind of a good sign that, yeah, you know what? He actually is human. I do worry a little bit about the other goal scorers, Kamara, especially um, the reason that, that Ola Kamara is so good, just like Robbie Keane and, and Landon Donovan and others is he has a bit of an ego. And we saw that a lot with Robbie, you know, he wanted to score every goal. And so you wonder a little bit uh, about Ola's mind frame. If, Zlatan scoring all the goals and getting all the attention, which he's doing right now, and and you know you can predict a lot of that. You got to wonder: is is Ola thinking, hey, you know what? I'm on this team too. Does it get to be to the point where he then d- decides not to distribute the ball anymore? And and this is not any kind of reflection on what kind of a player he is. It's just the fact of the mindset of being uh, a top striker. You have to be a little bit selfish. I think Ola. I think Ola really. He had a good game. He almost had two goals. He was offside. But the fact is, when you look at the score sheet, no goals for Ola Kamara. He's got one in the season. I think he needs to get involved in the scoring a little bit just to feel better about himself and this role on the team. I think the last thing that anybody wants is for it to become, uh, you know, Ibra and the Galaxy. Um, There has to be some other scoring options that participate in the game, too. I think it would be great if Ola got uh, great for the Galaxy and for Kamara if he got on the score sheet in this next game with Atlanta. I think it's been a while since he scored. But I, I see. I think that's the real test of a of a good player, and I think it's the same with Roman Alessandrini and and how these guys, and uh, even with Zlatan, it's that whenever there's pressure on you, when if there's a guy who you think is going to score all the goals, and you're a striker, and it's your job to score goals too, Kamara certainly has needs to have the same mindset as Ibrahimovic. But then, good, go out there and score goals. I mean, that's what you want him to do. So if he's going to be disappointed, and we're not saying that he is, but we're playing like uh, maybe maybe he would be uh, discouraged by the fact that Ibrahimovic, he should be fired up the fact that he has competition on the team and that those two guys will do battle in terms of trying to score goals and trying to one-up each other. And to me, that only benefits the Galaxy. Um, no, you're, yeah. you're right. But I, th- I think he probably, and I again, I haven't had this conversation with him, but he probably, like the rest of us, is like, maybe a little bit surprised by just how good Ibra has been and how fit and how uh, able to contribute he is right now. And it may have caught him a little bit by surprise. I I could definitely understand if he went out on the field and thought, you know what, this is going to be fun. Uh, You know, he's going to set me up. He's going to take some defenders away and allow me to score. Hasn't turned out that way. It's all gone through Ibra. And, and, you know, maybe he's fine with it. Again, I haven't had this conversation, but I just know a guy that is, you know, fourth in the league in scoring over the last two years, um, is a goal scorer, and that's what he does. He doesn't track back and doesn't play a lot of defense. He scores goals, and uh, if there are no goals to go around and he's not scoring them, you know, you, I just wonder if if he feels like he's not contributing or um, he is, if he's not doing the right things. Um, you know, I may make 
too much of the whole mental side of the game, but I, I really am a big fan in every sport of the mental side of the game, how teammates get along, that kind of stuff. And so when I look at Ola, I just wonder a little bit about that. Does he feel like his role has been usurped? Uh, does he still have a place? And I think a goal would help alleviate any of those doubts and get him through another couple of weeks without having to worry about that. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I think that, that if that's the kind of mindset that he has, if he's, and, and strikers are totally this animal, Kevin, and we know it, we've seen it. It's oh, all, it's all, it's all confidence. Yeah. It's all confidence and it's all, you know, ego and that's great. And that's how it should work. And that's fine. Robbie was a ball hog. Robbie Keane was a ball hog. You know why he was really good at what he did is because he scored a lot. If he didn't score a lot, people would be like, pass the ball, Robbie. But you know what? He doesn't, he never had to, he scored a lot. And the same thing, listen, Ibrahimovic is going to be a provider as well. He's already shown that he likes to drop deeper than Kamara at times. And so those two going back and forth and seesawing back and forth seem to complement each other. I have no doubts in my mind that if Ibrahimovic is open, that Kamara will pass him the ball. And if Kamara is open and Ibrahimovic thinks that the Galaxy can score, that they're both team players enough that that happens. So I think that this is... I'm not concerned about Ola Kamara. And quite honestly, even if he's there and people have to think about him, this is the same thing I said about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin, is that I don't care if Zlatan doesn't score any goals. That's not that's not the the measure of whether or not he's being successful. And I know that lots of people think that is his measure and his total measure of being successful. It's not. It's whether the LA Galaxy offense is scoring goals, right? So even in the in the play where you see Ola Kamara and Zlatan making a run for the for the ball that Zlatan eventually makes, you see Ola drift further to the back post. That pulls a little bit of space open again. And granted, it's it's Schweinsteiger getting out jumped by Ibrahimovic, who has to be like six or seven inches taller than him. Um, you know, it, that's what did it, but it's still, it's Ola Kamara making the runs. It's Ola Kamara making space. And at the same time, Zlatan's going to do the same thing. His runs are going to pull space and open for, for Kamara. And you saw that the Galaxy were very close to getting two goals uh, with Ola Kamara's help there. So I, well, you, I, that's again, positive. You look at the mental side and, and, you know, what happened with Jossi last year was not physical. It was all mental. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I just think it would make everyone happy if Ola scored a goal. And, and by the way, before we get too far away, you mentioned Schweinsteiger. I wanted to tell a real quick story. I, I had a chance to visit with him on Friday after training. Um, we talked for about a half hour, and he told me a great story. In the, in the last World Cup, um, he was the captain of the German team in that last game, and, and Germany scored, if you remember, uh, with about three minutes to go in overtime. So after that goal, they had three minutes that they had to kind of run out the clock. And and they, all the players on the team had worked their whole life to get to a World Cup final. Now they were three minutes away from winning it. And Schweinsteiger told me he played the last three minutes with tears in his eyes that he couldn't really see because he was crying that he was that close to World Cup. I mean, this is one of the greatest players in history, uh, or at least of his generation. And he's on the field at the World Cup crying. I just thought that was a great story. That is that is a great story. He's he's always been a he's been a classic. He seemed like he and uh, Ibrahimovic they get along well. So uh, that was nice to see. Again, the LA Galaxy get the win one nothing over the Chicago Fire. It was ugly. Uh, it was ugly because of the wind. It was ugly because of the cold weather. It was ugly because of the rain that was threatening to come down too. So all the ugly things take those to put together, and those are three beautiful points for the Galaxy, who now move into second place in the Western Conference. Kevin, granted if uh, you actually want to do this correctly and look at points per game right now, the Galaxy are fourth in the Western Conference behind Sporting Kansas City, who has two points per game, FC Dallas, who's at 1.8, and Los Angeles Football Club, LAFC, at 1.8 as well, Galaxy at 1.67 points per game. That's the way you should be looking at this table instead of just the standings. But nonetheless, LA Galaxy all the way up to second place in the Western Conference, seventh overall 
in the table. So and Seattle's still winless. There is nobody that there there is no one that's going to run away from uh, anybody else in this conference. I think it's mediocre. You, you could say they're all equal if you want. I see it as being pretty mediocre. The point is, there's nobody that's going to run away from the Galaxy this year. Well, at least not the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, it certainly. Again, I still am having trouble figuring out who the best team in the Western Conference is I, right now. You'd have to say it's Sporting Kansas City because they have played some good teams. They have done some things that you have uh, that you've looked at and said, okay, you know, they they lost to New York City though, and certainly I think in the Eastern Conference, New York City and Atlanta are battling for that top spot, and they went two two uh, in a game. Well, and that, Toronto, once they get out of yeah, at a. Champions League Toronto, it's going to come on too. You have to expect that they'll be there as well, right? But as we're looking at it right now, in terms of how the how they're playing, you you don't expect. Or right now, Toronto's near, you know, not near the top, and they're certainly not focused on that. They're looking at CCL. Um, but you try to figure out in the Western Conference, um, Sporting Kansas City seems like they're for real. FC Dallas is always near the top or always feels like they should be near the top in the Western Conference, and they're still undefeated. Uh, two wins, three ties. Uh, so the so I think it's the last undefeated record, um, but I could be wrong. I'd actually have to go back and look because I don't have the Eastern yeah, Conference. No, they're, yeah, they're the only undefeated yeah. team. Yeah, so six games in, uh, seven games for some people, but six games in, the only undefeated team right now is FC Dallas. They've only played five games, by the way. Um, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Oh, New York City is also undefeated. I figured, I thought New York City was also yeah. the other team. So, yeah, those two are still sort of battling there. But, uh, you know, you haven't seen uh, FC Dallas. They're probably going to be for real. The Colorado Rapids right now are in sixth place. Are they for real? I don't know. They beat a T, uh, Toronto FC team that was the B-minus, you know, guys yeah, we signed. nobody. The guys we signed because they're all focused on CCL. Uh, Real Salt Lake continues to just sort of be baffling in terms of whether or not they're any good. Minnesota United had a great game against Portland, but how good is Portland? Portland got that win uh, at home, a 3-2 win. I think there should have been some red cards in that game as well. So you look at all these things that go into these games, and you're like, who are the real teams right now? And I'm not sold on anybody outside of maybe Sporting Kansas City. Vancouver's near the top as well. The Galaxy drew them basically having no players available in that game. Um, so is Vancouver really that good? And Vancouver got slapped by LAFC this last game. So, you again, you look at all these things that go into it, and the Western Conference is a free-for-all right now. But do I think the Galaxy are in the top six right now? Yeah, I feel like the Galaxy are in the top six. Uh, do I think they're second? No, I don't feel like they're second in the league or second in the conference. It doesn't feel that way anyway. They may sit there in the standings, but that's not what their play has said. And that's okay because, Kevin, you and I have talked about this since the offseason began. It was going to take a while for this team to come together and find itself. All right. The fact that they're winning games that early in the season where they don't have chemistry and they haven't had, you know, uh, they haven't looked perfect yet, which they're, uh, who knows, they may never look like a team that's just ready to tear the doors off everybody. But the fact that they're doing okay is a huge boon for the LA Galaxy this early. This is great. This is what you wanted to see from them. Um, so the three wins, two losses, one tie that they have, uh, they're at 10 points right now. Uh, this is going to be a team that is going to get stronger as they go along. After the World Cup is when you want to see this team really start to gel together. But the fact is, getting these guys healthy, Kevin, right now, and getting these guys playing together is a huge part of whether or not the LA Galaxy are going to be successful after the World Cup break or not. You know what's going to be interesting? If 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 Ibra does go to the World Cup, and Jonathan, uh, or, and Gio does, and I don't know about Jonathan, but we'll essentially be left with the team that we thought the Galaxy were before Ebra came. Right. And they'll have four or five games to play without Ebra if he goes. Um, and then we get a look at the, you can kind of look at the before and after. You know, here's the team with Ebra, here's the team without Ebra. Um, was the team that good? Was it const that well constructed without him? 
or did he really save the season? I mean, I know that it's kind of putting the cart before the horse, but it is going to be if they struggle during that time, then you can definitely say, yeah, Ebra's the one that made this team. If if they go on as if they didn't miss him, it's like Ebra came to a team that was already very well constructed and very successful without him. It, I don't know. It, it's just it, answering a question that hasn't been asked yet, but it'll be interesting to see if he does go away, how the team plays without him. All right, let's rock and roll through these questions and get on out of here. Uh, we got some listener questions you guys wrote in. So uh, Cameron says, I was shocked when Zlatan won 80 minutes on Saturday. Any idea why Siggy played him so long? Not complaining, but just curious. Kevin, this is all about communication as we were talking about before basically Ibrahimovic was allowed to stay in until he was ready to come out right and and that, that's, yeah, that's he what said happened he signaled to the bench he was the one that called uh, that signaled to get him out of there because he thought the game was just going to de- degenerate into a physical slugfest and he didn't want to be any part of it so he was the one that took himself out yeah and it makes sense uh let's see Siggy Schmidt said I told him at halftime you go I trust you you let me know and he looked over at the bench so at that point we made the change 80th minute and you know again that's smart though as well he knew that at the last 10 minutes we're going to be a little bit of a dog fight that they probably needed some fresher legs in there that he didn't need to be that guy and so they bring in uh, 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 Boateng for for Ibrahimovic which is a fun fun little the tallest guy and the shortest guy on the team uh, switching out for each other so that happens uh, let's go to uh, let's see Brian and Brian says uh, Zlatan is responsible for three goals and six points in three matches without him the Galaxy are possibly sitting in 11th in the West with four or five points is the team screwed without him or is this just the start of the season Kevin well, I think they lose the LAFC game without him. I think that's probably pretty clear. So take those three points off the board. Uh, they may they may have won this game in Chicago or at least gotten out with a draw. So yeah, but yeah, it's it's a totally different team without him. And to go back to the pr- to prior question, uh, the 80 minutes, uh, I think you can't underestimate right now the possibility that uh, the world thinking ahead to the World Cup. Since he did tweet out the World Cup thing uh, less than 24 hours after the game, uh, clearly it's on his mind. Uh, perhaps the 80 minutes was a um, an opportunity to tell the Swedish coaching staff, look at what I can do. Yeah, very, very well could have. Uh, JNog86 says, uh, what were your original estimates for Zlatan goals for the year and who looks to be winning the bet? Uh, metrics, please. So we're looking at, uh, you know, how many goals, Kevin, do you think Zlatan Ibrahimovic, whenever he came here, I said anything in double digits would be good. And that, again, I preface it with, uh, I preface all of this with, as long as the offense is scoring, Zlatan is, is a success. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Kevin. At $1.5 million a year, he's already paid for every single dime that they have paid him this year. And probably is already working quickly into next year as well. Yeah, I mean, just the jersey sales alone. It's he's a, it's a best-selling jersey in MLS right now. And there were a ton of them in Chicago. Worn by Chicago Fire season ticket holders. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure the other Chicago season Fire season ticket holders going to love hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to say that I don't think he can continue this pace, and then he'll go out and do it. You were the one that told me when I was uh, talking about uh, what I thought his production would be and his limited time and all that kind of stuff. You were the one that told me that that was perfect perfectly reasonable, I can't even say English words now, perfectly reasonable for me to assume that of another player, but that Zalatan was Zalatan and he's superhuman. And I'm beginning to believe that he is not of this planet uh, <laughs> now. I don't know that he can continue to average a, a goal a game. That seems pretty tough. I, I, like you, I thought maybe low double digits, 11-12, someone would be a very productive season. I understood the over-under in Las Vegas, or whatever odds maker put this out, was 21 and a half, that oh. he would score... Uh, 21 and a half goals. I would take under. Um, I would, if, if we're playing that game, I'm taking the under on that. I just, I, it's a lot. It's a ton. I, I have no doubt that he could totally blow it away, but he really has to find his form and just click on all cylinders. 
I mean, God, the guy scored three goals in three games. I don't know that I could really say that under is the right bet on that, but that's what I would feel. I would probably take the under. Maybe that's pessimistic. Yeah, well, what, it, it, they've played 20, this is the 23rd season in MLS, and they're, you know, 20, what is it, 28 goals? Um, Lasseter and, and uh, Wondolowski have the, have the record. So, you know, if he continues to score a goal a game, he's going to he's gonna break that. So you're saying 23 years of history in this league means nothing that this guy can come in, 36 years old, released from Manchester United on a bad knee, having not started a game since the day after Christmas, he can come in and break that record? That sounds ridiculous. Yeah. But you're the one that told me that that is what you think about with normal humans that this guy is from. He's came from the planet Krypton, and he's different. And yep. um I, I'm, I like you. I would take the under if I had to make that bet, but I would not be at all surprised. I would be surprised, actually. If he scored more goals, I would be surprised because it's just – it seems inhuman that after, again, this league with Rob, guys like Robbie Keane and yep. and some of the people that have come through here, that this guy would come in on a, on one leg and blow away the record. That just seems insane. You you aroused all the Euro snobs who, who wanted to point out that Zlatan Ibrahimovic over the hill – Injured knee and all comes in and, and breaks the record. Just just the thought of that just got all the Euro snobs all worked up. I can tell. Uh, let's see. This is uh, this is from CR7 for president, uh, and I don't know if this is a guy. I vote for him. Yeah, I, it's either a guy or a girl. I would imagine this guy. Don't know. Uh, no, I'd vote for CR7. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, let's see. This person says, I have a baby on the way. See, gender neutral. I don't it know which way girl. to go that one. I don't oh, know. Well, it could, it could be, a, be, yeah, it could could be, be a guy. It could be the father. Okay, so uh, I have a baby on the way. I'm super excited, and I was wondering when and where would be a great time to get a baby galaxy kit signed by the team. Hmm. Baby galaxy kit signed. First of all, I will tell you, having a kid, oh, you know, six years ago, almost seven years ago, that the galaxy did not have a great selection of, of galaxy, like, baby stuff. Uh, and I think that has changed a little bit now. So I would take a look at that. But yeah, I mean, you're good. I you can do the one thing that I think it would work, Kevin. You have to you have to sort of once the baby's born, you got to bring them anywhere near the team and just toss them at one of the players, right? That's how it works. You just throw throw the baby at a player and be like, hey, sign my baby. That's, yeah, that's, that's well, <laughs> you know the other thing is that they said they have a baby on the way. Maybe they're adopting. Could be could too. Be a foster parent. Could we be, don't really know. They, the baby could be seventeen years old as well. I mean, let's be let's be fair. You know, if they're fostering and all those things, yeah, there's there's so many options here. So, or it could be a, like the the girlfriend, like it's, it's my baby. <laughs> That's exactly that could be it. Is could be a lot of things. Oh, it could be so many Don't things. Assume. I we we assumed way too much from that from those 240 characters. Uh, is it 280 now? Is it 200? It's 280 characters, double the 140. Uh, okay, final question we have, um, and this is more of a comment. This is from uh, Skyler on Twitter, and he says, there's 18-mile-per-hour wind right now in Signal Hill. It's so strong that my car is being pushed all over the lane. It's probably Skyler because you're texting and driving. Uh, but he says, now imagine a soccer ball in 22-mile-per-hour wind. That's what the Galaxy had to put up with, yet some people don't understand physics. Sometimes, sometimes Skyler's good at... at allowing me to vent without having to say anything so i i don't know that's it it was crazy the wind was blowing hard that was a crazy game if you're upset about that win check your priorities all right that's all i'm gonna say i'm not gonna call you well, an idiot that's for you sure. know the, the other good thing about you know if you're a goalkeeper in that weather at least you get to wear gloves i guess some other players had gloves on too but you get those big mickey mouse gloves maybe put hand warmers in there i don't hey whatever it, it worked and that's all that really matters all right la galaxy get one nothing win over uh the chicago fire uh, obviously Kevin was there, so we hope we gave you a good recap of all that stuff, and then Atlanta United coming up this weekend, Thursday night. Uh, planning on having a good show on Thursday night, so you might want to check into that. 7 p.m. 
uh, kickoff time for our show on Thursday night. And then, of course, Saturday, the game, Atlanta United. Uh, big bad, Atlanta United. First time in history, Kevin. Atlanta United comes to StubHub Center to play against the LA Galaxy. Uh, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time on April 21st on Saturday. So a Saturday night game. Uh, it's not nationally televised, so it's on Spectrum Sports Center, Spectrum Deportes. Uh, you're going to get one of the best teams in Major League Soccer, Atlanta United, coming in, and that'll be a good test for the LA Galaxy. We finally, this is a test, Kevin. This is a test of the emergency broadcasting system and also whether or not the LA Galaxy um, are for real. And you may not know yet, and they could get blown out by Atlanta and still have a very good season, but there's no way in my mind you're keeping Atlanta off the board, so you know they're going to score some goals. Uh, it's a matter of whether or not the LA Galaxy can respond against that and see how Zlatan Ibrahimovic does starting against, I would say, a rather a, a, a smaller Atlanta United team. Yeah, very small team. I think he he has a chance to do very well against them. And you're right, Atlanta is hot. I mean, they stumbled out of the gate. They had a very poor first game, but they've been you know virtually untouchable since then. They played very well. Um, and they're playing well both on offense and defense. But you're right, they are a much smaller team, and I think they're going to have some to make some adjustments. Maybe Lorenowitz moves back and plays more of a center back than that midfield role he's been playing. You know, they're going to have to make some adjustments just to, again, this is where Ibra changes things because people have to take him into account, and, it'll, and it's going to open things up for other players. You're right, it is a test. The Galaxy, by the way, I think the Galaxy could play very well and lose this game by multiple goals. I mean, I, that, I really think Atlanta is probably the... I know that they, they they tied New York City this weekend. New York City is unbeaten, but I think that Atlanta United may be the best team in the league right now. They very well could be, and uh, they're also speedy, and we talked about the LA Galaxy defense having trouble with speed, so it's certainly a topic that we will approach again on Thursday night. Mr. Baxter, anything else you want to uh, get to there, Panda? Yeah. One quick, yeah, I was going to ask you exactly what I was going to ask you. Are, do pandas like cold weather? Because I did not like Chicago, and I'm wondering if, if you know, is, is that bad for a panda? I, you know, long. you know, my panda um, knowledge is not that vast. Uh, obviously, the bamboo forest is a place of heavy, uh, heavy moisture. So I would imagine that at times it could get cold. But I also want to feel like, it, you know, with bamboo growing, bamboo is more of a uh, a warmer climate sort of plant although bamboo grows anywhere let's face it you put you blow water on it and it will shoot up 20 feet um so yeah i i honestly don't know but i would imagine that you in particular did not like the cold weather you've been spoiled now uh you know your 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 so your socal certainly worked in uh and miami and miami i was gonna say miami before that you don't know what cold weather is anymore so chicago was totally out of your league uh in, in terms of that so that's good all right anything else you good that's it all right if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at KBaxter11. Of course, head on over to the LA Times, where Kevin does all of his wonderful soccer reporting, traveling with the LA Galaxy for Zlatan Ibrahimovic's first MLS away game. So I'm sure he'll have a story up about that here shortly. Make sure you check it out, latimes.com. Uh, thank you to everybody who ordered your T-shirts. The campaign is over. Our most successful campaign we ever did. Sold about 88 T-shirts on there. So uh, those should start shipping out, I believe, on April 23rd. So it takes a little while for that, but they'll get out there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, at jguesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast, uh, go on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can still hit the shop button and shop for scarves and stickers and all that fun stuff is there as well. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. 
And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.